Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Ali Moreno, Shaka Hislop and myself, Kay Murray, here in the studio. Club football is back and we will be looking ahead to Man City against Liverpool a little later in the show. But Bayern Munich already got their match day underway away to Cologne. Just the one goal in it, Harry Kane, the scorer of that goal. 18 goals in 12 Bundesliga matches now, making him the Bundesliga's top scoring Englishman in a single season. And Bayern sit top of the table after that result putting the pressure on Bayer Leverkusen ahead of their game against Werder Bremen tomorrow. What, uh, Archer in touch with us as well, and we'll hear from him in just a moment, but what did you make from it, Ale? Well, Bayern Munich essentially could have put this game away as, as we just saw in the first 25 minutes, and they didn't. It should have been for nothing easily because we're, we're not talking about half chances. We're talking about opportunities in which multiple players are through on goal against the goalkeeper, looking at a goalkeeper straight in the eyes, and they're missing the opportunities. Now, I'll give some credit to the Cone goalkeeper and that he's making saves, but in the end, Bayern Munich should have been up at least 3 nothing at halftime. They were not, and so that made the second half a little bit more stressful than it needed to, at least on paper, but let me just tell you. The second half was no more than a training exercise. <laughs> Bayern Munich were just passing the ball around, Slowly, and I mean slowly, and sideways, and back, and Cone were very happy to just, well, we're going to absorb some pressure, and eventually we're going to force him into a mistake, and maybe we'll get out in transition. Well, they forgot the part about getting out in transition. That never really did happen for Cone. And whenever Bayern Munich got in trouble, it wasn't because Cone was doing something particularly special in the attack. It was because Kim min Jay and Manuel Norris said, we're bored. So how about we try to turn the ball over here in the back? How about we miss hit a pass? How about we misplay a ball? And now we are inviting Cone to pressure us. And in that inviting pressure, there was, I suppose you could say, some stress for Bayern Munich, but not really. This game was over at halftime because there was nothing from the performance of Cone that suggested that they were going to score a goal today. And Bayern Munich really didn't want to do a whole lot in the second half. So ahead of the game, Archie, Thomas Tuchel had complained about the fact that his players were exhausted to having to play on a Friday right after an international break. And then he didn't make a single substitution in the game for his side. What's being made of that? Well, I, th I think the way Tuchel explained it, was that in, in the press conference that I've just been at now, he was saying that, look, it's because we were in such control of the game that he didn't want to do anything. And given how much Cologne offered, which was not a lot, I can understand his thinking of not playing Alfonso Davies, who had played every and started every single game for Bayern Munich so far this season, off, off straight off a, a long flight from Canada. Didn't Kim didn't get the same treatment today, but that's because they're so short on centre-backs. And the fact that Eric Maxim Chupamoting plays as well, he's had a week in training with Bayern, that was the reasoning that Thomas Tuchel gave. The whole topic of rotation and what he said the other day was, was very much present in the press conference, but I thought he steered it away quite well and given the performance and how comfortable they were. I think there's often a few signs that you can see in a stadium of, of what the game is, is like through some small details. Two that stand out to me. One, how many Cologne fans were leaving the game with five minutes to go, despite the fact it was 1-0, because they knew just from the evidence that they'd seen in the second half that their side was not getting close to Bayern. And the second one, often in games when Manuel Neuer, I think, doesn't have much to do, he likes to kind of like a fox, I guess, kind of go and mark his territory by going and just dipping his feet into the opposition half at corners when Bayern are attacking. And the fact I saw him do that a couple of times today tells you that he did not have much to do. He didn't have much to do. Let's talk about another goalkeeper here in the studio. How many times did you rest your eyes during that game today, Shaka? Any I, at all? Well, the second half, I had more than enough opportunity. <laughs> I, I will say, I mean, it's, it's no... The fact that we have zero highlights from the second half tells, tells the whole story about, about that game. And, and, and to that point, while I, I, I understand Thomas Tuchel saying that they had the game in control, they, they did. It, it was 1-0. And, and as that always kind of invites that pressure, that nervousness that, that Ali was talking about. So, again, we have another manager complaining about substitutes, the short period, turnaround time and then not really doing anything about it. So, 
just as a neutral observer, what, what am I supposed to think? Next time Thomas Tuchel complains about not enough time or too many games or, or whatever it is. And, and saying that, this is not just a, a swipe at Thomas Tuchel. It, it seems to be kind of par for the course with, with managers of top, top clubs today. But they got through. They've now got more than enough rest between now and, and the Champions League games this, this week. And we'll see what he does with that. Yeah, we will. Let's talk about Harry Kane, though, shall we? Because we saw a few chances in this game uh, from the other players, but we did see a world-class striker taking his chance and making a difference in this game to make it 1-0. That is the difference for Bayern this right, season. Well, well I, I don't know that it would have taken just Harry Kane to score that goal, let me just say. Uh, I believe Shaka would have scored that goal. Now, Frankly, I think to highlight what Harry Kane did today wasn't so much about what he did in front of goal, but a lot of the opportunities that came to Leroy Sané and Chubo Moting and so on and so forth came from Harry Kane sort of taking that deeper position that we know he likes to take. And when he was coming off of the center backs of Cone and they didn't quite know how to address the movement of Harry Kane because they were in between. They, they were neither tight with Harry Kane, nor were they dropping deep to the runs that were going beyond Harry Kane, in this case from Leroy Sané or Kingsley Coman, whoever it may have been. And when you allow Harry Kane to turn in those sort of spaces, he has the quality to be able to find the ball in behind. And so we see then Leroy Sané breaking through the middle. We see Kingsley Coman breaking through the side. We see Chupomotin running beyond Harry Kane. He did that perfectly well today, at least in the first half. Again, the second half, there's nothing to highlight about anybody in particular because it was a walkthrough training session. But the first half, we did see that variety from Harry Kane. Not necessarily in front of goal. What we saw from him was dropping to this deeper area and playing the balls in behind. Yeah, if you actually look behind Archer in Tut at the moment, you'll see that you can't see all of the tiles on the board that he usually has. Now he just picks the key matchups of the weekend. Oh, and one of those, as you can see, is Werder Bremen against Leverkusen. And once again, now the pressure's on Leverkusen, Archie. Keen eye you got, Kay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I, look, the way Leverkusen are playing right now, I think that Werder Bremen shouldn't offer too many problems to them. And they're playing on a similar level to Bayern Munich, if, if not higher right now, as, as they showed when they went down to the Allianz Arena earlier this season. So the challenge is for them to come off cold from an international break like Bayern and to put in a performance there. If they, if they hit the gears, as they have done, then it, it shouldn't be an issue because Werder Bremen have been very up and down so far this season. But... These are these are the kind of games that you just have to stick away. I think that, for example, Bayern last season without Harry Kane, I mean, they were run close by Cologne twice, albeit Cologne have lost two of their key players from last season in Jonas Hector and Elias Skiri, for example. And I think that I'd worry for Bayern a little bit if Harry Kane wasn't there, just given what the level of finishing is like and the gap in level of finishing between Harry Kane and the rest of that squad. Um, and yeah, the fact is Leverkusen with particularly what they've got going in the centre of midfield with, with Palacios and Xhaka, the bite that they have there going forward. Wirtz, Boniface as well, Hoffman and Grimaldo at left-back has been a revelation as well. I think the, the, the best left-back in the league, sorry, Alfonso Davies, just the way that he offers such a goal threat as well. So it's exciting to see how Leverkusen are going to cope with that pressure, but... There have been no signs so far that say to me that tomorrow they will uh, they'll stumble, which is a dangerous thing to say on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, don't be jinxing the marchy. We've already seen you dancing tonight, and Shaka. Well, got some mixed reviews, shall we say, in the studio. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I enjoyed it. It's Friday. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And we'll see if it pops up later, shall we, on our Bundesliga coverage. Thanks so much for being with us. You can be with us all weekend as well if you do want to stay up to date with the Bundesliga. You can see that game as Werder Bremen take on Bayer Leverkusen early on Saturday, and this is how the rest of the match day looks across ESPN Plus. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just taking a look at the last five Premier League seasons and they were won by either Man City or Liverpool, the ones in the five last years. Twice, though, you can see that it was just a point between the two teams in 21-22 and in 18-19. And heading into the most recent fixture, which is coming up this weekend in the Premier League between these two sides, it is just a point between them once again. Ahead of it, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp spoke about the rivalry. Uh, I think we are all friends. We know each other quite well. Uh, of course, the time... The time <laughs> goes forward so I've been Jurgen eight years or nine years in Liverpool and of course it's not the same players and since the start and uh, yeah we built a little bit the team the idea is quite similar of course now Alexander Arnold can play more inside sometimes sometimes outside but the idea is quite similar and always have been our best rivals from a sports point of view, it was the most difficult game you can play since years. Since I'm here, probably. So, but rivalry probably is you need longer, blah, 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 the fans decide that and these kind of things. But from a football point of view, we needed some time to become a rival on the pitch. Um, but then we were that and lost still games and they lost against us and stuff like the big things, Champions League quarterfinal, I think was it. So big games. Um, from football time of point of view, definitely yes. The last decade, since I think I'm here and they are here, we have been our best rivals. So this is the reality. And of course still we are there. And that is a big compliment for Liverpool Man City that many, many after many, many years still we are there. Let's now welcome in Frank Leboff in a dashing cardigan as well. It is that time of year. Great to see you, Frank. Uh, let's get to this rivalry then. Is it the Premier League's best rivalry nowadays? I would say yes. In terms of, uh, of football, not be maybe in terms of history and what we can see, for example, uh, Manchester United against Liverpool or, or Spurs against, uh, against the Gunners. But, uh, but yes, in terms of... Uh, the two best teams for sure for the last decade they are rivals and uh, and the biggest rivalry uh, tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna have a chance to uh, to watch uh, two fantastic teams uh, winners of the Champions League and um, and maybe yeah the last decade uh, I would say I would put them in the in the three best team in the world that's for sure. How do you think it compares, though, Shaka, to, like, say, the days of Arsenal against Manchester United in the Wenger-Ferguson era? I think it needs a little bit more time to have that same kind of um, impact and, and effect, on, just, just on the neutral. But I, I, I'm with Frank in that, in, in, as a footballing rivalry, this certainly is, is top of the tree in the Premier League. Over the last five or six seasons, these have been the Liverpool and Manchester City have been the best footballing teams in the league, without question. Yes, last season was was an exception for, for Liverpool, as was the year during the pandemic, or just after, you could 
take what you want out of that pandemic. But um, Liverpool have easily been the most consistent and best footballing team to challenge Manchester City. Um, so from, from that rivalry perspective, from a footballing perspective, I think this is arguably the, the biggest game on, on the calendar. Of course, there, as you mentioned, okay, there are a number of other, other rivalries, other derbies that have a lot more history. Um, the games are, are played at a, at a, well, at a, at a pace, let's just, let's just call it, where you know, both teams are, are going at each other. Um, that just have a different feel. This is just about the football, um, two of the best in, in, in Europe. And they tend to get the best out of each other, mm. which I think it's key for a rivalry to grow and, and, and to get to the point to where I think this one is getting to. It's about the quality of play. It's about how much they push each other and about the fact that they know what their styles are and they don't go away from that. It's not like one of these teams is going to sit back and absorb pressure. No, Manchester City is going to play with their possession and their possession into the attacking half. And Liverpool is going to press and press high and try to force turnover and get out in moments of, moments of transition. And they've done that over the last decade. And Manchester City have done what they have done over the last decade. And they say, OK, well, here's our best. This is what we're going to put on the table. We're, th there are no tricks here. It's not like you don't know each other. You know each other very well, and yet you push each other to the limit. That, I think, is a testament to both Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp in putting together teams that know who they are, have an identity, and they're able to challenge each other to try to get the very best out of each other in order to win a game. Frank, are we going to be getting the best version of these players in the fact that it is an earlier kickoff, that they're coming back off an international break, going right into such a big game like this? Well, that's uh, question marks that we can have, and uh, and uh, yes, uh, playing uh, 12, 12, 30 uh, is going to be uh, is going to be maybe a problem. Yes, after an uh, international break, yeah, it could be also another problem. But uh, the players are ready, and they they expect those kind of games. They want to play those kind of games. I think they they make sure that they sleep well, they eat well, and they and they are really prepared for for those kind of games uh, after. Uh, it's uh, it's a human being game. It's, they are not robots, so it's why it's hard to uh, to predict those kind of game. I, I would say that if City and Liverpool play at their best, for me, City is the best team in the world and should win. But we don't know what can happen to, into a, uh, during a football game. And details, it's what makes the difference. And uh, and um, you can have a big surprise. But for sure, the players don't think about, oh, am I tired? Am I uh, very focused on that game? Yes, they are. They're not tired. They want to play those games. They are made for those games and they want to play those games. How hard is it to do it, though, Shaka? Like you've flown from the Caribbean to get back to a game like this, a big one as well, to be on it from the get go. I, I, I think you are just I. I... Listen, I, I understand Jurgen Klopp's concern around the early kickoff and right back after an international break. But as a player, you just you do what, what what's asked of you. And and everybody's if you build teams as City and Liverpool have done that are laden with international players, that's a part that's part for the course. Having to play games right after international breaks is something everybody does every single international break. So. I just feel, again, this has been blown out of proportion in a way that I, I, I don't think was warranted. And, and I'm, I'm not, I, I don't see what Jurgen Klopp is getting out of it, what's the benefit of it in, in, in complaining about the kickoff time. They've got, inter, they've got Champions League games to come midweek. You know, these are things that you deal with every single season, regardless of, of, of who you are. Whether we, and there are other levelers, whether it's weather, whether it's injuries, whether it's suspensions, those are all things that as a manager you have to deal with. You don't, you don't complain about it. That's part of, of, a, of, a, of a league campaign. I, I really don't understand. And I, to, to that point, I've, we've just gotten used to Jurgen Klopp finding something to complain about every single season. And, and um, at this point, it, it, it's falling on deaf ears, and I'm not sure why you continue. And in terms of intensity, in terms of energy, finding energy to play a game, I don't think neither Jurgen Klopp nor Pep Guardiola are going to be concerned about the intensity that these players are going to bring to this game, given the fact that they're playing against each other. 
So Liverpool is always going to get the attention of Manchester City and Manchester City is always going to get the attention from Liverpool. Yeah. I, I would understand it from the perspective of a manager from either Guardiola or club that they'd be concerned about the intensity of the team if they were playing Burnley or Luton Town because the mentality wouldn't be quite there. You, you're still sort of getting over whatever you were doing with your national team. Mentally, you go from a high to now having to go into a low and then sort of start the engines back up. And you don't get the same sort of intensity of attention to detail when you're talking about a lesser team. But when you're talking about a team that is right there at your level, yeah, you know full well as a player that you have to bring your best. Otherwise, you may not get the result that is required and that is expected from you. And nobody, nobody, nobody here, no Frank, nobody around the world is going to say, but you know what? Poor guys. It was an early kickoff, guys. You got to understand that. Nobody's going to care once the game goes and once the game starts. You're expected to perform, so you better be ready. Yeah, better be ready. And so will some of the debutants in this fixture because there will be a few of them playing in this Man City against Liverpool for the first time on either side as well. What's that like, Frank, then, to go into such a big rivalry for the first time? Is it always on your mind that you do want to stand out to make a difference for your team? Yes, it is. I think it's. I played the, what we call the classic in uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Marseille, Paris Saint-Germain. I had my first. Uh, lucky me, it was at Marseille, so we had the chance to play at home and we won. But you, you know that you play for the fans, you play for the club, you play for for your new shirt, and you want to make a positive, in, uh, sorry, positive impact uh, on the first game. You don't want to be the guy who bring the bad luck, I would say. So you. You just pray before the game that everything's going to go well. You're not going to make any mistake and you're going to probably maybe score the goal of the, at the last minute of the game and, uh, and make your team win. That, that's going to be the perfect dream. But yeah, you want to you wanna make sure you're going to win. You, wanna, you don't want to maybe have the real impact, but you don't want to lose those kind of games because you want to carry on uh, the positive aspect of you coming into a new club. So it's how you you wish the game's go gonna go and uh, and um, for City players especially you want to win you play at home if you're Liverpool you say well there is a big chance or a big risk that we're gonna lose but if you're City player you want to win because it's the only way to escape any criticism. I I know that this game is obviously a big deal. I I understand. Why we're making the assumption that these new players that are coming into this match for the first time may have some added pressure. Alexis McAllister just came from playing against Brazil in Brazil with Argentina in a World Cup qualifier. So, look, when we talk about pressure, huh? the guy was playing in a World Cup and winning a World Cup. So, we sort of have to be careful as to how much we magnify these games and understand that these guys are in these positions because they're elite players. And as I just mentioned, it doesn't get, in South America anyway, it doesn't get any more of a pressure cooker than Argentina against Brazil in Brazil. And there he was, completing passes. And guess what he's going to be doing tomorrow? In the middle of midfield, completing passes, doing what he does best. I don't think these players, while there is pressure going into this, I don't think that they look at, 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 at this as a, any different of a game or the magnitude of Argentina against Brazil or anybody else who had played a big match for them. Yes, it's a big moment, but the moment that you start thinking, oh my goodness, this is so big, this is when you forget about doing the things that make you a good player. And to, to that point, I, I think as far as being a debutant in, in this rivalry goes, this is an easier adjust in that, as we say, this is about football. This isn't about the emotion of a North London derby or Manchester-Liverpool um, uh, fixture where so often form kind of goes out of the window and it's all about emotion. It's all, it's all about a physicality of the game and adjusting to but that. But you don't want to be the one who makes a mistake in a, in no, a game. No, but, 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 but you, you invite that. You, as a player at this level, you invite that opportunity to play against the best it, and, and be judged on your football and your football only as opposed to the emotion of some of the other derbies. I, I, as, as these games go, this is, you, you absolutely love everything about this. And, and why does a guy like Sly want to go to Liverpool? It's for this sort of moment. It's for this sort of game. Yeah, this, this is it. This, this is what gets you excited to be a player. And look, I never played at that level, but I wish I had. 
It, it, it wasn't because I didn't want to. I didn't want to take on the challenge because I wasn't good enough. Huh? But the truth is that when you think about what you want to do as a player, and a guy like Dominic Schoberschlag said, okay, well, I had some big games at Leipzig, but now it's a step up to Liverpool. And what makes it a step up? It's a game like this against Manchester City. This is the moments that you want to be on the field for. Uh, well, let's take a look at what the predictions are from the team, shall we, for this clash between Man City and Liverpool. And it seems that most of us agree. The only one who's a little bit different to us all is Frank, who still says it's a City win, but by a higher margin. Why is that then, Frank? 3-1 to City. Well, uh, because I really think that the, the two teams play at their best. Uh, Manchester City is the best team in the world and nobody can, uh, can deal with them. And, um, well, I could have said 2-1 <laughs> uh, and follow my, my, my colleagues. But I, I think it's, it should be the right the right amount of goals uh, for, for, for a game like that and for City because they're unstoppable if they play at their best. Are you wondering but, uh, about that little 2-1 pick now that we've all agreed on it? I, I, that, that's my concern. Mm. <laughs> History has shown on this show whenever everybody picks one team, guaranteed that yep. team is going to lose. Uh-huh. That is my concern. So you're changing? Well, uh, are you changing, Shaq? Too late. Can I? Can, can you can change if you want to. You, you, you know you've changed. Yeah, but no, I'm going down with this sinking ship. Shaka, Shaka. I think, I think Steve Nichols would have put Liverpool would have would, would have understood would have understood. Sorry, uh, that decision because he could is clearly a Liverpool fan. But if you are a pundit and you have to be realistic, you have to put a, a, a win from Manchester City. It's, it's what we see and how we see football. We're not guessing to get money. We are trying to, to, to uh, analyze the, the strengths and the weaknesses of the two teams. And to say that City is going to win is just normal. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, Frank. Stevie said City I'm just speaking well, on experience. Whenever we all pick, whenever <laughs> all of the analysts pick one team, somehow... We end up eating our words every single time on this show. Yeah. Go ahead, change, Shaq. No, no, no. I'm going I, I love change. that he says he's no. concerned. I'm so concerned. I'm concerned. About I'm concerned. Yeah. How concerned are you? I'm, 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 I'm going down with this ship. I'm going down <laughs> with this ship. City two one. Uh, it's actually a good weekend in the Premier League this weekend. There's some great fixtures. Another one that uh, <laughs> yeah. that that Shaka will be happy to keep his eye on is Newcastle against Chelsea, facing off at St James's Park. Chelsea's last eight games here only lost once in all competitions. So here are the predictions for this one from the team oh no oh no oh no, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh no oh and i nearly went with frank's two tittle frank being a little bit different again oh no oh wow I, you know, I like to be the uh, I, I like to be different but i, I think it's 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 uh, yeah i think a draw is normal when we when you see what what newcastle is doing right now and the momentum that chelsea is is in right now, it's just a normal result that will be away from home. You don't have to forget that winning at St. James's Park is always a fit. And, uh, and I don't see Chelsea winning, but I see Newcastle struggling. So it's um, a 2-2 would be a good result uh, for Chelsea and uh, goals would be nice to watch. So let me ask you then, Frank, because obviously we've seen a better run from Chelsea before the break. Is it difficult when you've just got that nice little run together, when team morale seems to be high, things are working for you, and then an international break comes? Is it difficult to adjust and get back to things? Well, yes, especially it depends what you have been through with the national team as well, you know, and uh, how you, you cope with your, with your national team. And uh, yes, you lost a little bit the contact with your teammates and on a daily basis, but, uh, but you, you, you have that momentum in your, in your head. And the Chelsea players, they know that uh, they've done well uh, the, last, uh, the last games uh, that they played together. So they're going to keep that in mind. They, I'm sure, worked for, for the two, three days that they've been together. And, um, and as, uh, as, uh, as they will travel together, they're going to go back uh, onto that momentum and, uh, and uh, believe that it's going it's to make the difference. Would you like to change your mind, Shaka? Are you concerned now that we're all agreeing on this one? I, I, I'm again concerned, but uh, I've already... But not that concerned. I've already committed to, to... Why aren't Newcastle winning at home then against Chelsea? I, I just feel that Chelsea have all of a sudden found, found form. Uh, and, and I know it was a draw against Manchester City, but 
given the, the end of that game, it feels like so much more. And, and on a high. And, and, and to your point, Kay, absolutely yes. If you're Chelsea, the international break couldn't come at, at a worse time. Earlier in the season, when Chelsea aren't playing well, you welcome the international break. But all of a sudden, things, they're, they're playing well. They're, and even when they aren't, they're getting results. Um, you, you, want, you want to play twice a week at, at that point. So the international break kind of upsets, upsets that momentum. And Newcastle, for me, have, have again found some kind of inconsistency. And I say again because it's the second time this season where they go from, from playing well to all of a sudden it, it feels like playing, playing within themselves. And, and, and I, I think that kind of coincides with, with Isaac's injury and, and the team struggling, to, struggling to, to score goals, not looking as, as good defensively this season as, as they did last. Um, but at St. James's Park, I, I, I just don't see Newcastle losing. Oh, I don't see Newcastle losing to Chelsea. While it's an improved Chelsea, I, I don't feel that this Chelsea is good enough to beat Newcastle in St. James's. You know what? For a guy who has the keys of the city, you rarely pick Newcastle to win matches. I, I know how much of a jinx I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Any excuse. Yeah. <laughs> the keys to the city, Shaq. Keys to the city. I'm, I'm a jinx. I, 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 I'm a jinx, Ali. Okay. Mm. All right. I see. Good to know, Shaq. Okay. Thanks for your uh, cutting-edge analysis there. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of a bit of a curse, the injury situation <laughs> at Manchester curse. United <laughs> is not getting any better. Mason Mount is reported to be out for a month with a calf strain. Obviously, Casemiro and Eriksen already out. It's just not been a great start at Manchester United for Mason Mount for all parties, has it, Frank? No, it hasn't been, but it was expected, I would say. Um, we saw what would happen, what happened last, last season with Mason Mount. And, um, and to try a new adventure when uh, you have so many question marks about your football and uh, not knowing why you're not, not being able to, uh, to uh, reproduce what you've been doing uh, at the beginning of your career, it's, uh, it's a big uh, challenge. And, uh, and, you know, you know not, when nothing goes right, you, feel, you end up uh, getting injured and what is going on with him. He's going to struggle, hopefully, because I have nothing against him, he's going to be better when he's going to come back. But I have so much doubts about who he was for what he became. So um, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to him after, after he's, uh, he's come back. It was a talking point earlier in the season when he was injured that at least that decision would be taken away from Ten Hag, that he's not available so he doesn't have to think about whether he should play him or not. Do you, do you read anything into what, that? What a great position to be in I if know. you're Mason Mount. Hey, I got injured that way. The coach doesn't have to think about me at all. Um, look, the, the idea of, of Mason Mount and what he was going to be for this club certainly hasn't quite worked out. And, and I understand exactly what Frank is saying is that you feel like the whole world is against you if you are Mason Mount. And now this injury is confirmation of that. And what's going to be so critical for him is that in this period that he's out is that somehow he's able to manufacture some sort of positive energy that, some, that, that maybe this, this allows him to kind of take a step back and focus on himself, focus on his body, and get himself as right as he possibly can so that when he comes back, he comes back with a positive mindset and not this idea that everything is against him. Because if he goes down this path, that is a very, very dark path to go down. And guess what? There's no coming back from this sort of stuff. When, once you start this tailspin and you can't get yourself out, it's so very difficult to find reasons to believe in yourself. The reason that he becomes a player that he became with Chelsea and why he gets the contract that he gets from Manchester United, all those reasons just kind of disappear. And he starts thinking about all the negativity and the reasons as to why he's not being successful. And all that pressure just piles on you. If I'm Mason Mount, I'm taking this time to make sure that not only I work on the physical aspect of my game, but on the mental aspect of my game, more importantly. Well, it is Everton that Manchester United are taking on this weekend. So I wonder if we all agree on the predictions mm. for this fixture. Mm. It turns out we do Ooh. not. Oh. Frank and I do. Shaka, you've got Everton winning it, though. Yeah, I, I think this is an Everton team trending in the right direction. And a Manchester United team who... Well, they're not trending anywhere. They just kind of remain as poor as we've seen them all season long. The injuries have given Ten Hag an excuse, but it doesn't make Manchester United any better. And, and I just feel 
at Goodison, uh, Everton. Um, Everton get the, get the better of Manchester United. I, I also feel that there's a bit of emotion involved with Everton here, given the suspension, oh, given the 10-point deduction and, and a feeling of, of, of the league kind of being against them. Um, and I think you find a more motivated Everton than, than you, you would have at any other point this season. Frank, why do you believe that Manchester United will win this one? They've been very fortunate the last two games that they played. And uh, I don't think they should have won, but they did. And so I guess the confidence is maybe back in the dressing room. Yeah, the football is not, that's for sure. We saw that. But they have the results. And um, why they couldn't uh, carry on like that and, uh, and keep on winning against Everton? Uh, and the contrary of Shaka, I think the 10 points deduction could have, could have a, an effect to, uh, into the dressing room of uh, the Toffees. And, uh, and maybe it's going to be too heavy for them to, to cope with the lucky Manchester United. Who would convince you the most to change your prediction from a draw? Shaka and his argument or Frank and his? <laughs> okay. Let me just say that Shaka, by his own admission, not mine, I didn't put words in his mouth, he said that he is a curse, that he is a jinx, <laughs> that when he picks teams, they don't win. So Newcastle, I'm a jinx uh, uh, Newcastle. Oh, see, so yeah. not to Everton. Not to Everton. It, it doesn't no. extend to Everton. No, no, because I'm neutral on them, I'm neutral. I, I do think that the emotional part of this game uh, is certainly going to play a major role. I, I, I do believe that there's going to be this feeling at Goodison Park of, Again, the world is against us. And I feel like this team, sort of, when they've been sort of knocked down and out and it felt, it felt like they were going down, it felt like they were going to be relegated, the personality of this group was to fight enough, just fight back just enough to get themselves out of that sort of position. And I think that still remains the case. And it feels like they're, they're going to be fighting back against whoever because they now have to manufacture this in their minds. They're fighting back against whomever. And in this case, it's going to be Manchester United. It'll be just enough of how bad Manchester United is, Everton with the emotional aspect of the game. They cancel each other out. I'll take the draw. Neither Frank nor Shaka convinced me. Well, not to worry. Dan Thomas has given us his tips oh, for what we God. should be looking out for yeah, that's, that's in the Premier League we weekend oh, ahead. He's looking for, into my soul. <laughs> for the Manchester City-Liverpool <laughs> game, he says over 3.5 goals. That's at plus 125 for the payout there. He also likes Sheffield United, Bournemouth and Luton against Palace to be under uh, 2.5 goals. But if you want to put all three together, if you want to parlay them, it's a nice little plus 671 payout for you there. So if you trust Dan and uh, <laughs> well, you want to go that way. Okay, well, there just you Dan go. With what, Dan what knows happened? his bets. Dan knows his... Uh, uh, if you trust Dan. Dan knows his betting talk. <laughs> but yeah, probably shouldn't have started with that. <laughs> if you trust Dan. He'll be back this weekend anyway. <laughs> Make sure to catch him on tomorrow's show at ESPN FC to look back on a big day in the Premier League. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Barcelona's unavailable players heading into the early morning game on Saturday against Rayo Gavi. Absolutely gut-wrenching news. Gavi going to be out for the whole season. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen with his back not going to be available for this. And also Sergi Roberto has been hoping that he would be available. Frankie de Jong too. But this is how things stand going into it against Rayo at round 14 of La Liga. Things get underway on Saturday morning. 
And we need to talk about this as well because obviously this is two massive losses, more so in the case of Gavi, the fact it's the whole season. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen as well and everything he brings to this side, Ali. Thinking of the whole Gavi situation, there is no direct replacement for this player. But who does need to step up in his absence? You know how special my feelings are for Pedri and how much I think of him as a player. And he is not a direct replacement to Gavi because I think he would have been on the field and ideally Xavi would have Gavi and Pedri playing alongside each other with Frankie de Jong just in behind. Ideally, I think that's the direction that Xavi would go. Well, that's not the case anymore. Why am I mentioning Pedri? I think it is at the point in his career in which he needs to find continuity in his game. Not because of lack of quality, but because of lack of playing time. And where does that lack of playing time come from? Because he hasn't been fit. And so now he's back from injury. Now he has recovered. It's now time to see the best version of Pedri, which we seem to have been trending in that direction at some point last season and then he got injured and then got injured again and got injured at the beginning of this season and we just haven't seen exactly what Pedri was supposed to be for this club the best version of him for a long period of time so if you're looking for somebody who needs to take his game to the level that we all expected this player to be at I think it would be Pedri. I don't, I don't know that there are any more excuses. I know that he's a young player. I know that he was overused early on in his career. But look, we are now months down the line from that. And it's time for Pedri to take his rightful place as an impactful player for Barcelona. And his rightful place at my dinner table, which has been taken over. <laughs> By Jude Bellingham. So, Pedro, if you want to make it back to dinner, you have to begin playing and playing well. This is the trial run, Shaka. Uh, as you saw, though, there, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen not available this weekend and Yaki Pena coming in lately there. What can the defence do in front of a keeper that doesn't play every week to make sure things go easier for him? Yeah, that, that's, that's the challenge. When, when you have somebody like uh, Ter Stegen, who is as dominant a character in, in, in that, in that rear guard as he is, just as a defender, you're used to the decisions he makes. You're used to the sound of, of his voice behind you. And it's a tough adjust. For, for Pena coming in, of course, big shoes to fill. Um, how do you settle in? How do you figure out what, what your back four needs out of you, the instructions that, that, that they may need? That is, is very much a relationship that, that is built o over time. And now all of a sudden you have somebody else coming in. How, how do you emulate that? On, on the one hand, I... If I'm, if I'm saying to Pena, I'm, I'm, don't worry about instructing the back four. That's, that's secondary. Right now, you just settle in, play your game, let them figure you out. And then you kind of, as you grow into to, to, to that relationship. Um, because, and I've said this time and time again this season, a lot of goalkeepers want to come in and be all things to everyone. And, and their game, their own personal game, suffers. And as a result, everything just kind of comes apart. Figure out your bit first and then let, let the other pieces um, kind of grow as, as you find that confidence. And let me just go back in to Gavi for a second. And it's just half a second here. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be important for this team to find emotion in that midfield. You have a lot of guys who like to have the ball at their feet and possession, and they're all very clean technically, and so I'm talking about Gundo, and I'm talking about Pedri. But Gavi brought something different to that midfield and work rate, intensity, attack tackle, 50-50 challenges. There was a certain sort of heart and soul kind of emotion to him and how important he is to this club and to this version of Barcelona. I don't know where that intensity and emotion is coming from, but it's going to have to be there if indeed they're going to match up against teams like Rayo Vallecano and Estadio Vallecas. Because Rayo Vallecano depends on that 50-50 challenges at home because it's, it's a sort of close quarters, close confines, and you have to be able to match that intensity and you have to be able to match the fight before you are able to execute the passing game in the manner in which Barcelona likes to play. So in order for Gundogan to have the freedom to play, for Petit to have the freedom to play, they have to match the intensity, and that intensity usually was brought by Gabi. I don't know who brings it now. I heard that Shaka Hislop is sitting this one out. It's an early start tomorrow. Oh. My, Ali and myself oh, are going to wow. be up bright and early for oh. it, though. 7.30 Eastern here in the okay. studio for the right. build-up. I'll record Rio it. Against I'll record Barcelona. It. When you say you're sitting this one out, Shaka. <laughs>
how much sitting is it going to be? <laughs> also available on ABC this weekend, Cadiz against Real Madrid. Coverage begins at noon. Make sure to be with us for that. Despite a mistake from Donnarumma in the PSG Monaco game, they did manage to win 5-2 and they are top of the table in Ligue 1. Frank LeBoff is still with us. That was a fun game, Frank. It was a very prolific game uh, in terms of uh, goals. Um, Paris Saint-Germain wasn't that dominant and they, they won 5-2, but uh, it's really when they were, in fact, in the second half, in, uh, in, in, in a kind of a loss of control of the game, that they scored the two goals in less than, uh, than a minute. And uh, Monaco did well, uh, gave many gifts, especially the, 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 the two first and the last one. Uh, but overall created danger uh, to Paris Saint-Germain defense. Uh, when you have uh, Colomwani, Dembele and Mbappé at front, if on top you have Vitinha, you know, it's, becoming, it's becoming very uh, difficult to, uh, to cope to any situation, for, especially for Monaco and those four guys, they, they scored goals. So uh, Paris Saint-Germain is getting first, only Nice, I think, can cope with them. They win tomorrow against Toulouse. But Paris Saint-Germain is going to another title, which was, uh, or which is uh, expected. But not everything was perfect today. And I'm a little bit worried about uh, the Champions League game because Marquinhos wasn't there, Zain Emery wasn't there. And if they were about to be missing uh, again on Tuesday, that could be a, a problem. Let's get the Shakastrophic spokesperson. What was Donnarumma thinking I, I at this know. moment? I, I, I honestly don't. I mean, he dwelt on that for so long and you just... <laughs> oh, 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 oh. It, 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 it really is. It really is hard to explain. Why? I mean, it was three hours. Uh, it comes for a long old way here. Clear it! Clear it! <laughs> and in fairness to both goalkeepers, they played really well. After, these, after the initial mistakes, they both played. Shaq. I'm just, I'm just saying. Shaq. Frank can back me up. Both Shaq. goalkeepers played Shaq. really well. Shaq. Now, there were seven goals that's in the true game. That's, <laughs> now that's true. That's true. That that after those two goals, they did very well. But still, I mean, especially Donnarumma. <laughs> we know that he has to drop in order to to kick the ball. In he needs to drop a little bit. But he doesn't. It's like he doesn't know that he has to drop. That he's surprised that oh, I can't kick the ball right now. I have to get a little step uh, backwards in order to go forward and kick the ball. I mean, that's crazy. And that's I'm sorry, Shaka. That's where you see a difference between. A football player and a goalkeeper. That's sometimes stuff that we don't get from you guys. <laughs> no apologize to me. We've seen this from Donnarumma before. What was it in, uh, against, against Real Madrid? Yeah, the Champions League two seasons ago. It just seems to feel like he's entitled oh, a no, little bit more time. Now he's coming out with it. No, no, no I'm just saying. No, I'm just, no, I, I accept two very poor mistakes from both goalkeepers who then went on to have very good games. <laughs> Somehow you try to turn this around and say this. Yes, goalkeepers were great I know. They were playing All really right. well. <laughs> you have zero standards. Very good. <laughs> Too nice. Very good. Very good. Frank will be back what? with us for the latest edition of Extra Time. What? Where's Freedom? I've got that same background on my green screen. Anyway, you can check out Extra Time every single day over on our YouTube channel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Oh, a 2024 well. Copa America group stage. You should have seen our start to the season. That's why I say it. Input one, Argentina, Brazil, United States, what? and Mexico. What? what, 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 says Ali Moreno. Draws well, taking place I, on I December 7th. You know, that, look, I, I have my issues with the competition to begin with, and that's been well documented. The fact that it's a South American tournament being played outside of South America, that in itself drives me crazy. But the fact that you have to shoehorn the United States and Mexico into part one, uh, again, have they seen Uruguay play? Huh? The fact that they went into Argentina and won a game, the fact that they are they seemingly destroying teams in South America, including Brazil, who they beat at home. Look, I don't... 
I'm taking Uruguay, I'm taking Colombia above the United States and Mexico. If you have seen these teams play, you know that they don't belong in pot one, but apparently because uh, you're hosting the tournament, you are, again, shoehorn. Why are you hosting the tournament? I don't know. That's another decision, another conversation for another day. And sorry, Canada, but we are all TNT. Really? No, I'm not. Chaka, we're all TNT in those playoffs, don't you worry? That's, that's r absolutely. I'm sure that Sebi and Herc will disagree with Ali Moreno on the well, latest then. edition of Football Americas. Who knows? They'll disagree with each other, so at least one person will agree <laughs> with you. They could disagree we with know somebody. That. Yeah. They love disagreeing with one another, and that's why it's always worth watching that great debates on that show stick around here extra time is coming up next frank labeouf is still with us we'll be answering your questions right now welcome into the latest edition of extra time and just checking my phone to see if i've got the questions here oh. now before you need my change of pace maybe but, read it on the but before we do start yeah. we'd just like to say hi frank We'd like to let you all know yeah. that it's been a bit of a difficult day in the office for us today <laughs> because we found out that oh. Ali Moreno <laughs> is the forgotten man of MLS. <laughs> and why is that, Kate? Tell well, the people. I think, I think Shaka should tell the people what he said just to gloat in front of the forgotten well, man. I, I, I was uh, very kindly sent a box of popcorn uh -huh. by Major League Soccer. Yeah. And as it turns out, of those of us here in studio, uh -huh. I'm the only one <laughs> yeah. who got popcorn. Right, and so I, this was, again, on the heels of us having a conversation that somebody has sent me a message that it, yesterday was the 15th year anniversary of me having won uh, my third and final MLS Cup with the Columbus crew. Three so, MLS Cups. Three MLS Cups. So I, I came to the conclusion that you either have to win, in order to get popcorn, you have to win four MLS Cubs or none. Because, well, <laughs> how many did you win, Shaq? Uh, I, I went for the latter. Yeah, okay, that's right. So either you have to win four or zero in order to get popcorn. Well, you I, made uh, the rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kate didn't win any. I didn't. I used to get them at my old network, and now I don't get any MLS merch, but I didn't win any MLS Cubs. It's after you wrote them that abusive email after them. Yeah. They just, just scratch her off. Scratch her off the list. <laughs> I would definitely never do that. MLS, I'm at ESPN now. Please send all the free things my yeah. way. I would be happy to have them. You know, I so would like LA. Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we've got the questions. Oh, you want to get oh, oh, change your face, change your face, change your face, change your face. Let me just say. Here we go. First question, why did MLS forget LA Moreno? Yeah, what? The popcorn was delicious. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure I like popcorn. Me too. What's it, what's it, uh, kettle corn or was it butter? What was it? A butter. A little butter, yes. You're going to crunch it really loudly in front of him. Maybe I'll bring a kernel or two in. Ah, thank you. Arv says, love the show. Just want to ask Ale how his Southern-inspired Thanksgiving dinner went. <laughs> Beautifully well. <laughs> well you no, no, no. You went great. My beautiful Southern Belle <laughs> came up with a wonderful yeah. recipes and those are family recipes that have been in the family for decades upon decades. It was amazing. It was amazing. What was yeah. the nicest dish? Well, I, I don't know that I explained. I, you know, I told her this when I, I went home the other night. Uh, Dan asked me to explain what the dressing was, and I couldn't explain it, and she was really disappointed uh. with me. Oh. Uh, so dressing in the South is the equivalent of stuffing everywhere else, but they do it differently, and it's cornbread, uh, and as well as regular bread with cream of chicken, onion, celery, and it's all put in a nice mix and baked, and it is fantastic. Oh, yes. Maybe we maybe we could make a, our way to the Moreno household well, yeah, for the next thing. I'll, I'll bring the popcorn. <laughs> I'm sure you will. There's no popcorn. In my house. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the sweet potato souffle was fantastic. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, no, sounds definitely. very nice. I know. The, the cream corn. Let me tell you, the cream corn is something. It's not popcorn, but it's cream <laughs> corn. <laughs> Uh, Shaka, in your prime, how well do you think you would fit in modern football? Did you have good skills on the ball for a keeper? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> what is that laugh? What is that laugh? 
I, I wasn't bad. I wasn't bad, my feet. I used to play out on the we park. We did see in the Trinidad commercial. That, that's right. That you saw. You saw my my little outside of the football. Yeah, little little slap with the outside yep. of the yeah. I used to I used to run it when I mean I know it's a different level, but when I was out when I was playing college, I used to play out in the park oh, quite no. often. But then you know you turn pro, <laughs> turn pro. No no goalkeeper plays with their feet. No defender wants it. So you just stop doing it. So I, I lost my God-given talents. How, how, how is the? Uh, can, can you show me again? What? What, how was the outside of the right foot pass? A little, <laughs> a little, little slap. Little. Uh, yeah. that. That's right. So how well do you think you would fit in today? I'd fit in all right. All right. You know, I'd fit in okay. You know what they call that in uh, South America or Spanish-speaking countries? What? When you pass it like that, tres dedos. Who? Tres dedos. Three toes. Oh. On the outside, three toes. There you go. Like, ah. Like, I'm, I'm sure I, I thought you'd that. have known that straight away with your Spanish level. No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still on level two. Too busy eating popcorn, But Frank, how far do you think how the return of... Eng- Sorry, go on, Frank. How long have you uh, how long have you been in level two? Oh, he's stuck. <laughs> he seems to be <laughs> uh, ages. <laughs> 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 it's like anything else, we're blaming on the pandemic. Yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> okay, all right. It's a work in progress. Uh, Frank, how, t- how far do you think the return of Nkunku and Breuer can take Chelsea, considering you claimed they were lacking in finishers? Well, I'm not sure about uh, Broja, but uh, definitely Nkunku, before the beginning of the season, showed a real talent and, uh, and uh, a real impact uh, going forward and scoring goals. and. Uh, and getting injured just before or just uh, at the beginning of the of the season uh, didn't help Chelsea to score goals. That's for sure. It's been a it's been a real problem for the Blues to score goals. We thought, you know, with the preseason games that Cuckoo will make the difference, and he got injured. So I want to believe that with those two, uh, those problems are going to be resolved, especially with the. Uh, with Palmer being able to uh, to serve, uh, with Sterling gaining back to his best, I want to believe that something is going to change after two years of, I have to say, difficulties in that matter. Uh, guys, what do you think about Ronaldo's second goal against Al Akdud? Do we have it? <laughs> we better have it. <laughs> Oh, we don't have it. I saw that he scored a worldie. Uh, okay. Well, then maybe we should ask you, uh, Kate. Yeah. What Good. do you think about well, Ronaldo's second goal against I just heard it was a worldie, and I trust that it that, was. That's, all right. That's, uh, that, that's it? Yeah. That, that's all the analysis you're going to bring? Well, I thought we would have had the goal to show you, guys. Well, you know, yeah. we would think that our production team would be prepared for this if they're going to put a question like this in, but... Brilliant. All right. You know, that's L.A. Mike. L.A. Mike will do it. Don loved it. Oh, I'm sure Don. Don loved it. absolutely loved it. Uh-huh. Don. Don also loved. I don't know if you saw this. He put up a video today of the treatment his car just got and gave a shout out to whoever oh, the people were. Definitely a freebie. Oh, that's, a free, right. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a freebie. All the close-ups, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look at me in my fancy new car. Uh-huh. Thanks you yeah, for uh-huh. my. But, but you know how he presented that idea to whoever provided him yeah. with the free car wash, right? So, look, what I'm going to do is I have so many follow- followers and so I'm going to put you out there, going to make you big. People yeah. are just going to flood in. Do, do you know um, who I am? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, score, I score in Wembley. Yeah, don't you, don't don't you remember it, yeah. that? Do you know who I am? <laughs> that can make you famous. <laughs> uh, Frank, I recently watched the Netflix show on Bernard Ta- Tapie? Ta- Tapie? Oh, Bernard Tapie. And his time at Marseille. How do you view the controversial 93 team which won the UEFA Champions League and Tapie as a president? Um, I I knew Bernard very well. He was uh, very controversial when he was the the, uh, the president of Marseille and... uh, and, uh, and, but he's, uh, he, he's really loved in Marseille being the first president who brought the, uh, the first Champions League and the only Champions League for, for French team. And, um, and uh, he's been considered because he was in politics after being in the ministry uh, under Mr. Mitterrand president. Uh, he, he's been very controversial in many ways, uh, being the chairman of Adidas as well at some point. 
So that guy wanted everything. Uh, I loved his, his, um, the fact that he wanted to win and to get everything. Uh, but of course, you get bitterness and jealousy around that. It wasn't perfect, far from there. I don't know everything about his, um, of, well, what he did and everything that he did, especially in politics and with Marseille. Uh, some people are saying that he bought some games. He hasn't been proven. Some of those things that he's been proven made Marseille being relegated one year after, after the 93 Champions League win. Uh, but he still remained for me one of the biggest personality I ever seen in uh, in my country. Okay. Well, that will do for the latest edition. We are going to have to go and write some complaint letters to MLS and also watch Ronaldo's goal. Yeah, apparently yeah. we have homework. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for being. I've never with us. met these two before in my life, MLS. <laughs> <laughs> never seen these. Hey, two. we'll bring you down, chat. You'll get no I, popcorn I next year. I have. <laughs> who? Okay, who? No. Sorry. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Strong-worded emails are coming. <laughs> <laughs> ah.